0: morning and peace be with you. I wonder how many people got caught springing ahead or lack thereof. It was a little rough this morning. I don't know why uh, they even do that. I mean they've tried to explain it to me but I can't get it through my my skull on what the upside is. So school Is that the that's the upside for it? Okay. 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 I wonder if they could just do it regionally. <laughs> Arizona does, but anyway, I don't want to get into a into an argument here. Less filling, tastes great. It's still right. Well, anyway. Blessings to you. I do have some announcements in your bulletin that you can read for yourself. Just to let you know, the Sit and Be Fit is uh, happens every Tuesday, and we really have a lot of people coming to that, and I think they're really enjoying themselves. So if you have the desire to uh, fellowship with friends on a Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock, and sit and be fit, And I encourage you to come. Uh, it's, I'm a, I am really grateful and pleased when I walk by and see uh, so many folks participating in that. Also, during the week, our Bible study continues on Tuesdays at noon. Uh, this is in the book of Luke. We are also doing a Bible study Tuesday evening via Zoom. And that starts at uh, 7 o'clock. If you'd like to be a part of that, give uh, actually a, a call or an email and we'll put you on there and I'll send you an invitation to the Zoom meeting. We utilize the portals of prayer for that particular Bible study. We go through a whole week at a time. It lines up with the lectionary, which is what we preach on every Sunday, the uh, common lectionary. And so it's just a great time to be in the Word with other Christians to thumb through the Bible and, and find those addresses that they have us go and seek, and so I encourage you to do that. We have plenty of opportunities. Also on Lent, uh, Lenten season on Wednesdays, you can bring a lunch and join us uh, for our midweek Lenten study, which is another devotion, and there are some copies out there in the narthex. I encourage you to grab those. They are fabulous as well. It's important to be in the Word. It's important to have the Word work on you. That's where God meets us, in His Word through His Spirit. So please don't neglect that. Make time for it, it's good for you. And then finally, the men's Bible study on Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock is a great time for the men only and uh, we have been going strong for a long time here, and some vital friendships have uh, emerged from that, and I encourage any man uh, that uh, uh, isn't in a Bible study anywhere else to come and be a part of that. It's about an hour, and the coffee is marginally okay, and the fellowship is excellent. So that's all that is fit to tell, and I would like to have Tim start us with our opening hymn
1: the
2: steadfast love of the His mercies never come to an end, they are new every morning, new every morning, great is Thy faithfulness, O Lord, great is Thy faithfulness.
0: In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the
1: Lord.
0: Lord, have mercy. Help, save, Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his this is the feast of victory for our god alleluia sing with all the people of God, and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, For the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God our heavenly father your mercies are new every morning and though we deserve only punishment you receive us as your children and provide for all of our needs of body and soul grant that we may heartily acknowledge your merciful goodness give thanks for all your benefits and serve you in willing obedience through jesus christ your son our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
3: Good morning, everyone that got up early. I'm going to start out by uh, reading in the book of Numbers. And if you would like to follow along with me, you can find that on page 242 in the Pew Bible or on other pages in your Bible. Before we begin, uh, the next couple readings really uh, involve uh, a story regarding the Israelites who were finally freed from the Babylonians, making their way through the desert to Canaan. And as you know, um, the uh, Israelites uh, have had an interesting uh, history with the with Lord God. They uh, rebelled. They had divine deliverance and they had a history of crying out to the Lord in distress. Sometimes we go through that ourselves, don't we? Let's read on page 242, Numbers, chapter 21, verse 4 through 9. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, which is the safest way to go. But the people grew impatient on that, way, on that way, and they spoke against God, against Moses, and said, why have you brought us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food. Huh. Then the Lord sent, he was mad, he sent venomous snakes among them, They bit the people, many Israelites died. The people then that were left came to Moses and said, we've sinned and we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed, prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a snake, put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So, Moses made a bronze snake, put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. But of course, many of them didn't look up at that snake and many died. Uh, Mostly the children made it to the Promised Land. Let's go to the next reading where we get to read together. That's in your bulletin. I uh, forget the page, but it's a few pages through there. You'll find the Psalm 107. We're going to read responsibly verses 1 through 9. I'll start with verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. He's not here. His love endures forever. Make the Lord, tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from the East and the West, from the North and the South. Some wandered in the desert wasteland, finding no way to a city where they could settle. Yes, they were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight, by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for unfailing love as wonderful deeds for mankind. For He, for He, satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Next, we go to our next reading, taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter two, verse one through 10. And you can find that on page 1818 in that Pew Bible. This is uh, important because it talks about the uh, Lord's promises to us and what he has in store for us if we believe. So let's read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of the wrath, but because of his great love for us, love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace, it is by grace that you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness, his kindness to us in Christ Jesus, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not for yourselves, it is a gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. Holy gospel according to St John from the 3rd chapter glory to you O Lord Our gospel this morning is from John chapter 3 verses 14 through 21 and can be found on page 1650 of your Pew Bible Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. that light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Red touch yellow kills a fellow. Red touch black, venom lack. Yellow touches red. Soon you'll be dead. Red touches black, that's a friend of Jack. Any of you ever heard that before? That is a little sing song for a coral snake. That's okay. I've heard it many times and I can't remember. Is it yellow and black? Is it? So I stay away for those. You know, I, I'm not a fan of snakes. I never have been and I never will be. And most people that I've come across, they don't like snakes either. Some people are deathly afraid of snakes. Even people who don't mind snakes are startled when they see a stick that is lying in their path and it suddenly moves. In fact, I call them snakes. I call them nope ropes. That is a nope rope and I almost, almost never would seek to destroy one. And I'll leave that right there. The truth is that most snakes are beneficial predators because they help control the rodent population. And I believe, I have witnessed that snakes, most of them, are more afraid of you and me than anything else. They seek to avoid them. They're more afraid of you than, than, than uh, you are of them. So there is one exception, and I'm going to go off on a little, hey, there's a squirrel trail here. There is a snake. I have seen them. And they're out in the Mojave Desert, and they call them Mojave greens. And these little buggers are ornery. And they'll come and see what you're doing and they'll come at nighttime when it's cold and you got a campfire and they'll come around by your, I don't like snakes. Okay, back on track, I promise. The fact that the devil used a serpent to tempt Adam and Eve doesn't really help the snakes with their reputation. It also doesn't help that the Bible refers to the devil as the ancient serpent. That's in Revelation 12.9 and Revelation 22. And today's Old Testament reading also contributes to our, or my, bad attitude towards snakes. Today's reading is from Numbers. And as you know numbers is the account of the children of Israel after they left Mount Sinai. Exodus does tell us that before the children of Israel arrived at Sinai they were a disorganized mob of slaves. While they were at Sinai, God organized them. He put The moral law into words, that's what we know as the Ten Commandments, right? Some people think it's ten suggestions, but no, it's the Ten Commandments. In, In the last half of Exodus, in all of Leviticus, and the first half of Numbers, God gave Israel the civil law, the civil law for governing themselves as a nation. And he also gave them the ceremonial law, the law that pertains to offerings and to feasts. And that is a shadow of the foretaste of the the feast to come. It pointed to the coming Messiah. You've heard me say this, right? Every jot and tittle of the Old Testament points to Jesus. Jesus. And that is what is happening there. When the children of Israel left Sinai, they were organized and, well, they were somewhat disciplined. A nation that was headed for the promised land. And God disciplined the people differently before and after Sinai. Before Sinai, he would meet the grumbling of their people. He He fed them. He fed them with manna. He sent quail into their camp for meat. He gave them water. Why? Because he recognized their ignorance. And he disciplined them very gently. This all changed. This all changed after they left Sinai. When Israel left Sinai, God expected his people to know better and to not grumble, to be better. They had seen the plagues in Egypt. They had seen the water of the Red Sea part for them and then drown the Egyptian army. God had given them a tabernacle and an ark of the covenant. Those were tangible reminders that God was ever present with them. So God was more more stern with them than he was before after these facts. Okay, so here we come. We arrive at the Old Testament reading for today. And it is not a surprise to read that the children of Israel are complaining. They are saying things like, why? Why? Emphasis mine. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? They said, for there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Another rabbit trail. Has anyone here experienced a child standing in front of an open refrigerator for several minutes and then exclaimed, there's nothing to eat. I didn't think so. Not at my house either. Pinocchio knows. Well, let's notice the contradiction in the complaint of God's people they say that there is no food did you hear that part there's no food and then they go back to say they loathe the food how can you loathe the food that you don't have that's contradiction let me see is the plank that's sticking out of my eye distracting anyone uh huh you know yeah of course The food they loathe is a miracle food, the food of manna that God gives them every single morning faithfully. And so they have judged God's food. They've judged God's food and have labeled it and found it to be worthless. This is serious. This is really serious. Especially when we hear Jesus himself compare himself to the manna as the bread of life from heaven. He's loathed. And so, one might say that God disciplined his people by bringing their complaints to life. Deadly serpents invaded the camp, and their bite began killing many in the camp. And sadly, the people wouldn't listen to God when he merely spoke to them. No, he had to allow death. He had to allow death to enter their camp in order to get their attention. The people finally confessed their sin. And they asked God to take away the serpents. And God did hear their prayer but he gave them an answer that they did not expect. Instead of removing the serpents, he gave them salvation from the serpents. God ordered Moses to duplicate one of the serpents in bronze and place it on a pole. And Moses did exactly as God commanded. And everyone who looked at the serpent on the pole survived the snake bite. Now, just so you don't get a false picture of the situation, we need to be reminded that the, Israel, uh, the Israelites had a population of about 600,000 men of military age. And if you multiply that by wives and by children, it doesn't take long to estimate a population of two and a half million people. And that's not to mention livestock and luggage. This meant that the Israeli camp covered many square miles, two and a half million people take up some space and so one did not just simply poke his head out of the tent flap and see the bronze serpent on a wood pole it just didn't happen that way it was a long walk for some to the bronze serpent on that pole the healing powers of the bronze serpent did not depend They did not depend on the quality of the bronze that Moses used. It did not depend on the quality of the wood that was used in the pole. Instead, the healing power, listen, the healing power of the bronze serpent depended entirely on the promise of God. And in a way, the bronze serpent is like all the means that the Holy Spirit uses to bring us. He brings us salvation. So when we consider, or whether we consider, hearing the Word, confession and absolution, holy baptism, or the Lord's Supper, all these good things where God uses to meet us, to give us salvation, forgiveness of sins, they all depend on the promise of God for their effectiveness. And as Martin Luther says in his explanation of baptism, he says, without God's word, the water is plain water and there is no baptism. But with the Word of God. It is a baptism. That is a life-giving water that is rich in grace and a washing of the new birth in the Holy Spirit. That is in the small catechism, article 4, paragraph 7 through 10, in case anyone's keeping notes. It was the promise. It was the promise of God working through the bronze serpent that healed the snake bite. Now, Jesus used this Old Testament event to point to himself. You heard me read it this morning. In today's gospel, he compared himself to the bronze serpent in the wilderness. He said, As Moses lifted up the servant, serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And with these words, Jesus gives the promise of eternal life to all who believe. To all who believe in him as he is lifted up. The promise of God, it healed the Israelite when he looked up upon the bronze serpent. And in a similar way, the promise of God in Jesus Christ, it heals and it gives eternal life to the sinner. Now Jesus expanded on the meaning of his comparison when he gave us one of the most Famous is probably not the right word, but well-known verses in the Bible. That's the God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And we know that the word whoever means that his promise is for all people. And as the bronze serpent hung on a pole in order to save Israelites from poisonous serpents, so Jesus hung on a cross in order to save the entire world from sin. Did you hear what I just did there? Jesus hanging on the cross saves us from sin. And if God allowed our sins to turn into snakes, <laughs> thank you, Father, for not doing that. But if he'd let them turn into snakes, our infestation would dwarf in comparison. Well, rather, it would dwarf what they, what they had in uh, the desert. Our sin. Our sin is more subtle than that, though. You see, once in a while, we may recognize our sins. But most of the time, they are like the serpent in Eden. Our sins are crafty. They are crawling in our lives. They are crawling in ways that we don't recognize. Some of the sins, surely we do know. But most of our sins are known only to God. Jesus knows all of our sins, whether we know them or not. And he has taken all of these sins onto himself. He has taken them to the cross. And there on the cross, Jesus battled for us. And it was, it was a battle to the death. Well, who won? You know that. We know that a few days later that Jesus came back to life, that he rose up from the grave and that he is the victor over the battle on the cross. He defeated sin, death, and the power of the devil with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. That ancient serpent who was called the devil or Satan has a sure and certain future. A sure and certain future in hell. And he's not going to be the Lord of hell. As some may go, hey, you know, we'll hang out. It is not going to be like that. He is not the Lord of hell. He is a prisoner of hell in the end times. Now, on the other hand, Those who belong to the victor, who is Jesus Christ, have an eternal future of celebration with Jesus, a feast. Those who have the Holy Spirit's gift of faith in Jesus will live forever with the victor. They will forever enjoy the eternal reward of Christ's victory over the serpent of sin. God does not. our sins into snakes. Instead, he forgives them for the sake of his son, his son who suffered innocently and who suffered and died. He forgives for the sake of Jesus. He makes us his own that we may live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, everlasting innocence, and everlasting blessedness. We shall, like Jesus, rise from the dead just as he rose from the dead. We shall reign forever with Jesus because we have a promise and that promise is this, for God so loved the world, say it with me, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Truly, in the name of Jesus, amen.
2: own son precious lamb of God Messiah
1: holy
0: if you're able. Let us confess our faith together to the words of the Nicene Creed found on page three of your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and the life of the world to come. Amen.
4: As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord, God Almighty and Heavenly Father, we gather this morning as one, whether here or elsewhere, to praise your holy name and appeal to your mercies by our prayers perfected through your Holy Spirit and by the grace of your Son, Jesus, who stands as our Redeemer beside you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of our blessings that we so often have taken for granted. We often give you thanks for our living standards in the United States in our prayers but rarely wonder what life would be like without the blessings you have provided through our founding fathers and national constitution. As our freedoms have been abridged or eliminated over the past year by some political leaders responding to the COVID virus, we can begin to see how special and fragile are the benefits we enjoy as one nation under you. Without your precepts guiding our leaders, we witness the unbridled and often arrogant sin of those in power whom we have elected through our own self-interests. Fortunately, those who are faithful to your saving grace have your word in Holy Scripture to show us that we are repeating the sins against you that the Israelites committed over and over again more than 2,000 years ago and the consequences of their actions. We also know that you have saved us through your only son, Jesus, for eternity. We're so sorry, Holy Father, almighty God, for failing to recognize your providence, your creative and omnipotent nature, your saving grace, and for failing to place you as our highest priority in all things. We plead for your mercy that we learn the lessons you teach quickly and that you save us from this time of trial. Thank you, Holy Father, for enabling scientists and physicians throughout the world to develop medicines and vaccines to stem the spread of the COVID virus and to heal those afflicted. Please guide national leaders everywhere to share food, water, clothing, shelter, and medicines with all peoples under their leadership wherever they reside. We pray for wisdom and integrity for our president, and our national and state leaders and judges. We pray that you would continue to illuminate foolishness, hypocrisy, and self-centeredness within those politicians who only seek to destroy and spew hatred rather than work as one to protect our country. Please also grant our citizens wisdom as we choose future leaders. Grant us the vision to choose individuals who recognize your providence in our lives and seek to follow your precepts for peaceful existence on earth. We pray for an end to the fear-mongering and lies in our news media. Rather than reporting facts, they seek to foster division, hate, and panic among our citizens. Dear God Almighty, please bring shame and silence to those whose only purpose is to foster chaos, worry, and despair. Only you, Father, have the power to silence Satan and his agents and strip his power from amongst us. Lord, we pray for faithful Christians everywhere and those who speak the truth of Christ, which is the only truth. You know about the cancel culture in our midst, and we know through Holy Scripture that this is nothing new to human activity. Pharisees, Sadducees, and high priests 2,000 years ago tried to cancel Jesus and his faithful followers. Their efforts only amplified the message of saving grace and spread the gospel far and wide. Please, Holy Spirit, keep us faithful and tenacious as we follow the Great Commission and stand up against sin and evil as it tries to break our will to follow your word. We pray for the faithful of Reformation Lutheran Church and Victory Outreach. Shield us from harm and help us to serve one another. We also pray that you, Holy Spirit, would encourage all of us to stand up against those who would ridicule, harm, or denigrate people in our country and around the world simply because they are different in appearance or custom. You have created all people throughout the earth in your image, so attacks on your creation because of differences is a sin against you, Holy Father. Help us prevail over those who seek to harm others who only seek peaceful coexistence. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of a sense of humor. More than ever, we need to laugh in the face of misery, knowing that you are with us and keep moving forward. Thank you for the gift of laughter. Thank you, almighty God, for allowing us to slow down, to be quiet and focus on you and see your creative hand in magnificent and majestic clouds, soft rains, and blankets of white snow on surrounding mountains. Please, Holy Spirit, give us thankful hearts and minds as we progress towards Holy Week. Let us trust in you as never before and know that you love us even when we disobey you and forget that you, that you are in charge, not us. Let us love the gift of your Son, Jesus, as never before. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts, or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace responsibly for now, with a wave, a smile. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. You bid your people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy the paschal feast. Please renew our zeal in faith and life and bring us to the fullness of grace that belongs to the children of God. And so, with the church on earth, and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. Then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks, and then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood. Shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread, and drink of this cup that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his powerful coming, glorious coming, again. Let us together pray the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Regarding ceremonies and festivals and so forth with uh, the Israelites, we read about today. And Jesus did not come to get rid of the law, but to fulfill the law. And this isn't a law, this feast, this foretaste that we have, this is a gift. This is a gift, a holy sacrament that He gave to you and to me that works. It's a means of grace. It is a means of salvation. It is a means of renewal and everlasting life. And the best part, it's not dependent on you or me, but on his promise. Amen? The table is prepared. You may be seated, and the ushers will bring you forward. I don't like snakes, did I tell you that? And so he got my attention with this lesson today. Maybe yours, too. The takeaway on that is the promise. It wasn't the bronze. It wasn't the wood. It was his promise kept. May, that, may you meditate on that. He's a promise keeper as opposed to his children are promise breakers. He keeps his promises, every single one of them. And here's another promise that he keeps. And that is that may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn is, Draw me close to you.